I don't know how many are going to love the topic we're tackling today, which is uh, how does a woman submit to her husband? Hey guys, if anyone I a... doubted we're brave, <laughs> they don't doubt There's no anymore. women on the panel. I haven't got any notes because my wife wouldn't let me do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, this is a topic, obviously, that immediately gets the, the hair on the neck of many people uh, to, to rise up. But it's a topic we've got to tackle because uh, we can't, <laughs> because I said so, right? <laughs> because my wife told me to. Um, you know, because, hey, this is something that's biblical, and we have people that really have been blessed by our ministry, and, and this is a question that I think is a legitimate one. I think it's one that's legitimate to tackle because, unfortunately, on the negative end, it's been abused. Uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding as to what it means for women to submit to their husbands. Yeah. Uh, and on the other hand, it's been neglected. Uh, there are many that just kind of write it off because of the culture. And when the church becomes a reflection of the culture, we're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And honestly, uh, we, we are joking, but we approach the subject today unapologetically because we don't apologize for anything that's in God's word. Right. Yeah. Uh, we approach it with reverence, we approach it with humility, and we want to approach it with clarity. But we can't shy away from things that God's word talks about. Yes. That's right. And uh, this is important. Do you guys know what I want to know? No. Do you guys remember those Inquirer uh, commercials back in the day? Inquiring minds want to know. Oh, yeah. I want to know. Remember those, Mark? Of course. Ray, you're in New Zealand. Oh, this is before I came over? 80s. Yeah, that's before I came over. Yeah. You were late 80s, right? No, 90... 89. 89, yeah. No, the Inquirer. Yeah, they, they had these commercials. Is this and, the National uh, Inquirer? Yeah, they had... Uh, so they would do commercials about the magazine. Oh. And you have people come on and inquiring minds want to know. I want to know. And then they get in all the gossip <laughs> and the crazy soap opera the, jive. The facial expression. I want to know. Well, wife's varicose veins format leading to hidden treasure. <laughs> Ray, you did a track, didn't you, years ago? Uh, yes. Uh, it's uh, like na- an it was called Natural Inquiry. Yes. And it was all the strange things in the Bible that were made headlines that you couldn't, you know. Fat man has knife plunged into, you know, it was from the book of Kings. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. But boy, that did so well, the Inquirer, and, and it, it lends itself to people's curiosity and wanting to know things. Um, but it was extreme in those days. It was just crazy, and yet the whole internet's become like that. Yeah, I mean, that was the, the thing. The thing was, is it was evident that these were stupid things. Man born with body of a fish, you know, head of a man. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you would probably have read those, Ray, yeah. with Joy and Glee. But there are things that I want to know. The, the, the biggest thing I want to know is who was the person that discovered cotton candy, like, for the first oh, time? that's interesting. Like, how do you... Have you guys seen these guys that, like, do this yeah. weird stuff with cotton have candy? Have you seen... There's a new candy shop that opened up somewhere around here, and they make giant cotton candy heads of characters. Yeah, they have no. eyes this? and ears. And, it's yeah, like a, caricatures. Yeah, so a friend of mine went and they posted it. It took them four, they were in line for four hours <laughs> no, no. to get one of these cotton candy <laughs> oh, things. See, that drives me crazy. We're talking about things that drive us crazy. Yeah. People that spend that much time doing something that's <laughs> I will say I spent, I spent three and a half hours in a line for a National Hot Chicken Sandwich and it was worth Every uh, a what? National a chicken hot sandwich? chicken sandwich. National hot? Nash. It's only because you got hungry oh, when you're you Nashville. You would have eaten anything after standing there for three and a half hours. I'm telling you, if you're ever visiting LA and you've got four and a half hours to waste, Howlin' Ray's chicken sandwiches in LA is a game changer. You guys ever tried Zanko? Zanko chicken? Uh-uh. Oh. 
Anaheim. You got to check it out. The best chicken. Be- definitely better than whatever you got. False. I feel boring. Chick fil A. Chick fil A works that, for me. That's like exotic for you. <laughs> leaving BJ's going to Chick fil A. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to complicate things. If I, listen, Ray really doesn't like to complicate things. Ray, have you ever had chicken? I have chickens. <laughs> Have you ever eaten one of your chickens? No, I wouldn't even think about it. Ray, you Not would. Not even Betty. You Come would on, eat one of your you chickens. Uh, no. You know, we should do that. Sneak Not in the race <laughs> coop. Get a chicken, cook it for lunch. We're going to work. <laughs> Without him knowing. Uh, but yeah, cotton candy, man. I mean, how crazy, right? Just spinning up this stuff. We call it what? Candy floss in New Zealand, right? Yes, called candy floss. Candy floss. Really? Yeah. What in the world is cotton candy? It's just like. It's sugar that's sh- been. Sugar infused with air. Yeah. Weird stuff. You guys like those shows that like show you how things are made? And I don't really watch them. They look interesting. The, I, the trailers I are amazing. I really enjoy oh, those sort I of love shows. Those, those history type shows, the things that made America great, all those things I, I just find fascinating. Ray, you are going to find this fascinating because you often kid that the people who create candy are also dentists. And also uh, with, Wait, uh, stop. Weight Watchers. That's not true. Listen, weight, weight Watchers. Just, listen to this. <laughs> Who created much. cotton candy and why? Surprisingly, the inventor of cotton candy was actually a dentist. In 1897, <laughs> no William way. Morrison teamed up with Tennessee candy maker John Wharton to create the concoction. The duo premiered cotton candy in 1908 no at way. the World's Fair, and the price was 25 cents. He's no a dentist. No way. Was See? it the same color? Genius. Yeah. It's like, that's almost like uh, having a, a glass shop and going around breaking windows. Yeah. That, that happened. <laughs> like I got sued. No, it didn't Yeah, happen. there's a story about this guy would break windows and he'd come come like a day later and be like, hey, I noticed your window's broken. I can fix it for you. <laughs> so that's how you, you can what make a money being a, tech, a high-tech guy, IT guy. Yeah. All you do is go in and make a mess of someone's thing and show oh. up to fix it for them and they, get, they pay Boy, you. I, oh, you know, we were talking in the last episode about things that make us grouchy. Yeah, dentists and mechanics. Because you're at their mercy. You have no idea, right? I mean, if you're not, if you, you don't know anything about cars or, oh yeah, you've got those going on in your team. And, and, you know, they've done shows where they expose these guys ripping people off to know. Yeah, end. but when you've got a toothache, you just want to see a dentist more than anything. Right. Yeah. I will say I'm like that with, I'm like that with my wife because I'll wake up in the morning and I'll make the bed and I want her praise. I'm like, babe, I made the bed. She's like, yeah, you slept in it. <laughs> it's kind of like breaking it's the window and trying to fix it. M- making the bed. You didn't make the bed. The makers made the bed. You just fair. clean it up in the morning. I tidy yeah. it up. All right, friends, we have a comment. This is from Fisher81101. I don't know what it is with the numbers, but we keep getting numbers and names. Well, 81100 was taken, Apparently, so he had to go 81011. They had to go another one. one. What was later. There was a song with a phone people number. Later. <laughs> you remember that song with the phone number? Was it 865309? How in the yeah. world do you remember that? 865309. Yes, right. Is it secret like adding tunes to numbers 100%. well the rumor has it that it was an ex-girlfriend that he really hated so he put her phone number out <laughs> put her number said. out to the world what was that jenny's number what was the name it was of jenny the, it's yeah, jenny right it's jenny's number Six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. that's funny man uh yeah this is from uh, fisher 81101 my new favorite podcast listen to the first 15 episodes and the most recent one they have all been solid gold this is my new favorite podcast. Can't wait to hear them all. Is he talking about us or something else? <laughs> I know. I'm like, uh, <laughs> did you get the right podcast? Thank you, Fisher81101. That's a real blessing and an encouragement. Guys, Man. people listen. It's crazy. You know who has listened mm-hmm. to our podcast? Who's here with us today? Jim and Sherry, our good friends. 
Great to have you guys with us in the studio. Yay. Yeah. I've told them to burst into applause if I say anything good, but I, I don't <laughs> I know if I'm going to have a silence. We'll see, we'll see what they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, friends, this podcast is brought to you by The Dog Box. I like that voice right there. The Dog Box. Wait till you hear it, it back, changed. though. It doesn't sound <laughs> as great know, as you I'll think regret it, it Ray, The Dog Box. Uh, tell us about it a little bit. Well, it was created because... If you've got a dog, you realize how powerful it is to get you to meet strangers. You t- yeah. take a, you take kids for a walk, hardly anyone will notice. Take your dog for a walk, strangers will stop mm-hmm. you and say, I like your dog. Especially if your dog has glasses and now a scarf. <laughs> That's right. Actually, we wore the scarf this morning. It was freezing on the bike. She wore it too? Yeah. She wore it too. We both, that's my dog. Lucy. Uh, Lucy. Yep. Lucy. Sunglasses and a scarf, and I had a scarf, and because uh, it was so cold in California, 40, 47 degrees or something insane yeah. like that. Couldn't get any lower in the world. Last world. night, Rachel and I were talking about what wimps we are, because we left a, a restaurant, and it was 49, Ooh. and we felt like we were going to die. 49. That's like, that's seriously like a heat wave in yeah. most states. So the dog box has a pair of glasses, has two books and uh, about dogs, and how to use your dog to reach the lost, and it has gospel tracks, dog tracks as well. Yeah. Okay, now wait a minute. How, how's Lucy coming along in his evangelistic endeavors there? Is he staying put on the well, bike? Lucy, he's a she. He's a she. One. Do he's you love she. Lucy? Yes, I love Lucy. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> yes, sits yes. really well on the bike. She wears the sunglasses, she wears the scarf, and she's just learned to sit still while I'm witnessing to people, which just, is the big thing. You yeah. finally changed your actual uh, picture, right? Oh, it changed um, last night. Brad did it. Yeah. On what the are, sec- and our YouTube, second YouTube channel. What are Lucy's eschatological views and how does that affect her? <laughs> she's <eventualism>? premillennial. <laughs> pre-millennial. What are her pronouns? Uh, yeah, because she's, she's a he. He's yeah. a she. Well, friends, the dog box has 101 dumb things. Dogs do to annoy their owners by all means. A book by Ray, which shows him and Sam, his former dog. Uh, dog trivia <laughs> soon, and training, <laughs> uh, which is a gospel track. And then thanks for listening, uh, gospel track. Oh, I love that one. Someone with the ears, the dog's ears yes, up in the air. Thanks out. for listening. Uh, and like you said, a pair of sunglasses. I love the red on Lucy, Ray. Yeah, I, I had nine different pairs of sunglasses I tried before we settled on the red. They're actually Sam's old glasses. Oh, they are. Yeah. Oh, that's and cool. they fit. She Some grew into them. Mentality. Hmm. All right, friends, there you have it. The Dog Box and the Evidence Bible at livingwaters.com. You don't have to make that. You really don't. <laughs> oh, I thought the glass is going to break in the water. Something just compels me Why don't to we do take it. a poll amongst the people inside the <laughs> studio here and see if you should oh, make that Oh, they love it. They love it. I don't know how many are going to love the topic we're tackling today, which is uh, how does a woman submit to her husband? Hey guys, if anyone I gotta... doubted we're brave, <laughs> they don't doubt With No anymore. women on the panel. I haven't got any notes because my wife wouldn't let me do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, this is a topic, obviously, that immediately gets the, the hair on the neck of many people uh, to, to rise up. But it's a topic we've got to tackle because uh, we can't, (laughs) because I said so, right? (laughs) Because my wife told me to. Um, You know, because, hey, this is something that's biblical, and we have people that really have been blessed by our ministry, and and this is a question that I think is a legitimate one. I think it's one that's legitimate to tackle because, unfortunately, on the negative end, it's been abused. Uh, There's a lot of misunderstanding as to what it means for women to submit to their husbands. Uh, And on the other hand, it's been neglected. Uh, There are many that just kind of write it off because of the culture. And when the church becomes a reflection of the culture, we're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. 
And honestly, uh, we, we are joking, but we approach the subject today unapologetically because we don't apologize for anything that's in God's word. Right. Yeah. Uh, we approach it with reverence, we approach it with humility, and we want to approach it with clarity, but we can't shy away from things that God's word talks about. Yes. That's right. And uh, this is important. And, and the reason why here is because submit is not a bad word. Right, submission is not a reflection of inferiority or of lesser worth. Yeah, Christ continually and consistently submitted to His Father. He only and always did those things that pleased the Father. So once we begin to define these terms, I believe that things are falling into place. It makes sense. Yeah, doesn't submit carry a lot of baggage in the eyes of the world, though? Of course, it's, it's like your dog. Sit, lie down. Yeah. Submit. Is it? What's? Is there any syn- synonyms to submit? I can't think of any. I was just trying to run through any. There's yeah, none really. Coffee. Obey. Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think I think that there are certain words in the culture that carry with them negative connotations. And again, it's I think incumbent upon us as God's people to be sensitive. You know, there I have seen some uh, approach this issue with arrogance, right? And it only. F- fuels the fire of the world that that has these straw men uh, kind of views on what the church believes. And so they feed that. And and that that's really, really shameful. And so, you know, we, we joke around, we say funny things, but this is a serious topic and we want to approach it in the right way. And what's the text, Easy? So the text is, we have a few of them. So Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. You know, it's interesting, last night, Rachel and I, uh, we were- That's your wife. Yeah, my wife, Rachel. (laughs) I hope so. We were falling asleep in bed. And, you know, we read the Word regularly together. We Our attempt is always nightly. We pray together. Uh, but then there's nights when we're really, really tired, and it's late. It's like one in the morning or whatever. And so I'll turn the lights off, and then I'll pray, and, and we'll pray in bed, and then I'll recite a chapter of the Word that I memorized. And last night, not even <laughs> thinking that we're doing this today, I recited Ephesians 5. I have to say that it's such a joy to be married to a woman who really, really lives us out. And you guys understand that all of your wives are, are godly women, but who lives it out with joy. Not that, you know, there's never struggle or trial for her in it, but but she exudes joy in it because she knows that this is God's design. And when you think about it, when it comes down to it in life, that that's really our ultimate calling. It's to function in accordance with God's design. And Ray, when we don't do that, in essence, we're doing something unnatural. Hey listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. 
I was just thinking about how neat it would be to have a little easy doll that you squeeze and it quotes scripture. <laughs> <laughs> really fast. Yeah. <laughs> like Charlie, your little... Uh, oh, that's right. I used to have a Torquist doll. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, I don't know what your question was. I was too yeah, preoccupied too with your, the thought of the fact that your wife has a husband that's so full of the Word of God, when the lights go out, you just <laughs> recite scripture. I think that's wonderful. It's a joy. That's been one of the sweet benefits of, of memorizing books of the Bible is to be able to do stuff like that, you know, whether we're driving down the street or we're, you know, like lying in bed and to recite the word, it's been, it's been a real joy. Mm. And Uh, she has no choice because she has to submit. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think one of the challenges going back to, you know, I I love that we're being unapologetic, that we're being clear in our, in our convictions uh, that are rooted in scripture. I think it's also valuable to pause and ask the question, why is it that so many people's hairs do go up? Why is it that they cringe at this idea? And and a part of the problem is that we have terrible examples of leadership. A lot of times people think of, you know, the theological word that's been coined more recently is complementarianism and this idea of, of, of uh, there being roles within hun- husband and wife and this aspect of submission. And that's an important and valuable word because complementarianism, com- Complementarianism is certainly not egalitarianism, where we make all things the same. It doesn't doesn't reduce the value of different roles. But complementarianism is also not patriarchy, because traditional patriarchy would tell you that the man... The leader has greater value and worth and capacity, and that the woman is lesser than. And that is not what the scriptures are saying. Absolutely that is not, not. Com- complementarianism. Complementarianism recognizes an equal in dignity and value and worth and capacity, but it also recognizes the value and importance of the roles. And you you mentioned what's the verse, and we went to the New Testament. But actually, the very first verse is right in Genesis, which yeah. is the creation order. That's and right. that's the thing that's really important about this theology is that it's not just practical, how do you organize your marriage? Your marriage is meant to point to something mysterious and beautiful. And that is the relationship between God and the church, right. Christ and his bride. It is meant to be a ref- a reflection of that. And there is where that complementarianism comes into play. But let me add one other thing is that often, and this is a confession as a complementarian, yeah. is that often when we are in our complementarian circles, we go right to the challenge of submission. We host panels and we talk about what it means for a woman to submit and 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 how you know the, the modern woman out there has a struggle with the idea of submission. And one of the things that we move right past that's an equal importance of complementarianism is what it means to lead. Yeah. What it means for a biblical man to lead in a Christ-like manner. Because the reality is there's a lot of men out there that are power hungry and lead in a way that is ungodly. There's a lot of men out there that pass on leadership. And so we have to look to Christ. We don't look to modern times. We don't look to modern examples of leadership. We look to Christ in how he led the church. And if we're gonna talk about complementarianism, I think it's value that we talk about servant leadership as much as we talk about submission. Yeah, 
Let's go ahead. Yeah, I mean, every every good leader is actually a follower of somebody better than himself, right? So if our wives submit to us, it's it's really because we are submitting to the Father. But there are no qualifiers here. There really isn't. That our wives are to submit to us, regardless, unless it goes into a sinful uh, realm, yeah. right? So our wives do not submit to us if we say, hey, babe, I want you to go rob a bank. She doesn't submit to us in that. It says out of the fear of the Lord or as onto the Lord. So a good leader will be a better follower. Yeah. And it would be a joy for a wife to submit to a husband if the Christian does what the scriptures say. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Your your understanding of that will be as deep as how much you realize Christ loved the church. If yeah. you've got a shallow understanding of sin, you'll say, oh, yeah, Christ loved me. Mm. And that's because we're part of the church. Right. But yeah. if you understand the depth of your sin, you'll understand the depth of love. He, he, Christ died for us while we're yet sinners, and that's how we would strive to love our wives. And what wife isn't going to love that? Remember that old saying, a, a woman comes from a man's rib under his arm and close to his heart. That's so yeah. good. I love that. That's, that's the Matthew Henry, right? The woman was made out of Adam's side. She was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be loved. So you know, that's where it came from. I didn't so know beautiful. where it came Matthew from. Henry, right? yeah. I've learned from you, and I, and I usually say it at uh, weddings that I uh, officiate. I'm not a big fan of officiating weddings, easy, you, you know that. But uh, you, you have taught me many years ago, back in the 90s, that w- what does it mean to love our wives as Christ has loved the church? And that is an unconditional and a sacrificial love. Those two, when they're brought together as bedfellows, it speaks volumes and it says everything in totality. Yeah. Unconditional, there is no strings attached mm. and sacrificial. Even if it hurts or even if it leads to my death, I'm going to love you and I'm going to be there for you. That's how Christ loved the church, and that is the calling, the deep and the high calling that we have as husbands to love our wives. Amen. And you know, again, it's a realization, as you guys have already touched on, that these are this is a created order. These are the roles that God has given us, and Paul goes on to say in Ephesians, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. We are reflecting a greater reality in our marriages, and that's why we have to function in that way, you know? And I think one of the biggest dangers in marriage is the threat to oneness. You know, we, we forget how much God emphasizes oneness uh, as it relates to marriage in the word. I mean, even in Malachi, where he talks about how husbands are treacherous with their wives, and, and he talks about how he made the two one, and he said, why? Because he desires holy offspring. And in there he says, God is witness between mm. you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. God is saying, I am witness in the marriage, I, I superintend what's going on. I see what's happening. I've designed you. I've created you. I've given you these roles. And one of the things I try to emphasize with couples when I'm counseling them is, look, each of us is responsible to fulfill, to fulfill our role, but each of us in love is also responsible for creating the type of atmosphere that'll make it most conducive for our husband or wife to fulfill their role, right? I mean, I think I've shared it before, but it's like, hey, we are a team, right? And imagine you were tasked with outfitting your partner in this relay race that you're doing, right? I mean, hey, you win together or you lose together. I'm going to get them the, the lightest shorts, the, 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 the most breathable shirt. I'm going to get them the gels that they need. I'm going to get them the best shoes and socks, right? Because either we win together or we lose together. But oftentimes in marriage, we look at it as a competitive race. And if I'm to outfit my competitor, I'm going to get them the, the biggest you know, thickest, like fireman kind of suspender type 
pants. I'm going to get them boots. I'm going to get them a five-gallon water bottle to carry while they run. I'd still win. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we need to outfit each other in such a way, us as husbands, to love our wives with the greatest love the world has ever known, the sacrifice of God the Son for himself on behalf of his bride, that's going to make it conducive for our wives to want to joyfully submit. That's good. Yeah. I mean, think about how easy it is to, to it would be to submit to Christ. Right, like oftentimes the vision that men have of submission is like, okay, wife, you do the dishes while me and the boys sit out and and watch the football game, smoke cigars, mm. and drink whiskey, and you just come around and, and clean up <laughs> after us. That's yeah. what submission is. But man, that like Jesus inverts that. Yeah. I mean, I, every time I think of it, everything think of my role as a leader in my home. The first picture I get is Jesus bending down and washing his disciples' yeah. feet. <laughs> You know, that that tells me right there what it looks like to lead in my home. Yeah. It's to wash and yeah. to serve. Amen. Boy, easy. I, I, I never, I've heard you say it so many times, and I absolutely love it. The illustration that you have about the faucet, that, that we have no right That's to good. turn the faucet on and off when we talk about loving uh, our spouse. Can you take yeah, a moment and just I love reiterate this. Yeah, that? Yeah, well, you know, the call of 1 Corinthians 13 to love one another, it's unconditional. It's agape love, which means... It's a love that gives for the sake of giving, expecting nothing in return, has nothing to do with the recipient. So the way that it should look biblically, because love never ends, is our spouse is like a crystal vase. We place them under the tap. We turn on the faucets full blast until a thick stream of water is flowing into them, filling them and overflowing. And each one of the little streamlets that make up that thick course of water is one of the attributes of agape love, right? Love is patient, love is kind, right? Doesn't seek its own, it's, it's not provoked, you know, it doesn't take into account wrongs that have been suffered and so on. And so the way it starts, right? We start in a relationship, we crank those knobs full blast, that love is filling our companion, overflowing them. But then that day comes when they do or say something that rubs us the wrong way for the first time in a, in a distinct way. And what do we do? We reach out our grubby little fingers, we grab the knobs, and we start to turn them down, which means what? To, to withhold the full flow of agape love. And what we've just done at that moment is we have just done something totally unjustifiable because the command doesn't come from them, it comes from the Lord, and we've just directly sinned against the Lord mm. who gave that command. And so the way it should be is once those knobs are cranked in accordance with the definition of agape love, which is unconditional, we're never to so much as lay a fingernail upon them. And when we do, we've just done something unjustifiable. I and mean, when I counsel couples, you know, he'll be going, oh, she did this, and she'll go, he did that. And I always tell him at the beginning, after I share this analogy, I'm going to ask you one question. After you've gone and you, you've, you've ranted and raped, I'm going to ask you one question. Did you touch the knobs? Wow. Mm -hmm. So good. Because it's on, we, you know what I'm saying? And we see that. We're going to hold back a little bit of, you know, a, a patience, a little bit of kindness. I'm going to hold back that forgiveness. I'm, you know, not taking into account wrong suffered. And we start until there's just little drips or maybe, uh, you know, nothing at all coming out. So good. And, um, yeah. So good. Can so God's, God's given us the um, recipe for a good marriage. Mm. Just makes it so, so clear. Yeah. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. And that's a perfect recipe for a perfect marriage. Yeah. It also helps if she makes some good tabbouleh. <laughs> oh, yes. Funny. Rachel and I talked about tabbouleh the other day. Yeah. And, and look, let, let, me, let me share the other two passages because this is important. We got we to gotta 
open this up. Titus 2, 3 through 5, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. This is heavy. Peter here is tying a wife's obedience and submission to her husband with potential blasphemy against God's word. That's, that's heavy, you know, and, that, and that's serious. And then Peter, again, here even doubles down on that. He says, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Mm. I mean, that you want to talk about getting killed. Read this, read this at, at a feminist meeting, right. right? But again, we go back to the beauty of God's word and the fact that this is in keeping with God's design. And, and notice what he ties it to. He ties it to the Lord and trust in the Lord for women and saying, and it's God. so important to remember the Bible's humanities instruction book. Yeah. And when you throw it aside, you're going to make a mess. And that's what the world's done. We know how, we know how a marriage should be. Right. And look at the mess the world's in when it comes to marriage. Can't even define it now. Can yeah. I ask you guys, because I think this will help land the plane practically, because I think a lot of people times misunderstand what it means to look like to, to submit on both sides, either, either just completely throwing that out the window or a patriarchal version of submission. Yeah. So maybe it'd be helpful to give practical examples from our marriages, if you can think of a moment where there was a time where submission played a role in your marriage. Can you guys share, share an example? Well, I, 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 I'm not going to say this thing specifically. Uh, it is a little bit more private, but... Go on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. I um, want to know. We have to remember that within submission here, right, it's the first amongst equals, right? The husband has the tie-breaking vote in the midst of it, that I listen to my wife. I love my wife. I cherish my wife. I don't want to lord over uh, my wife. But I remember my wife feeling strongly about something, go ahead another direction. I wanted to go this direction. I listened to what she had to say. You know, there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors, even in the midst of that. And then finally, I, you know, I went to my wife and I had said, uh, you know, I, I want to let you know that I heard you. And that's important, or I heard what you had to say, but I feel that this is the direction where we need to go. We need, we need to do this. And my wife submitted. And there's beauty in that also. Th think about it like this for just a moment. Imagine if I went to my wife and I said, honey, I think that the Lord is calling me to go start a church in Boise, Idaho. And she says, Why are you cr you're crazy. What do you mean? You're going to leave the comforts of everything that we know and all of our family, our great church and our friends. And I said, I, I, this is the Lord's will. I really believe it, babe. And so she submits. We move out to Boise, Idaho. I go to start a church, and we're there for a year, and there's nobody attending. We're hitting some financial woes. Things are difficult. She doesn't say, I told you so. She's still submitting, and she's still praying. And I go, babe, I, I, I think we need to move back to Southern California. <laughs> and so we move back to Southern California. And there we are. My wife, perhaps, even thinking, well, you should have just listened to me. <laughs> what is it going to do in me? Because my wife knows that I want to walk with God. Mm. 
I'm going to come back from a school of education, a school of hard knocks that it taught me something. And now I come back a little bit more humble yeah. than I was. Maybe with an attentive ear to what she has to say or wanting to listen to other people. But either way, that was a good school lesson mm. for me to be inside of. My wife submits to me out of the fear of the Lord as if she's submitting to the Lord. I thought that I should have gone that way. And perhaps I maybe I should have. Perhaps God wanted me to go out to Idaho because I was going to learn something in the midst of all that that was going to bring some humility and prepare me for the future. We think what? I move out to Idaho so I have a successful church of a thousand people when God says, no, I never I never said you're going to have a successful church, however you want to even define that. Yeah. I just wanted you to be inside the school to learn something and then to come back. So now you're ready for what I actually have for you here in Southern California. Wow. You just right. need to check the weather. I just need to check the weather. <laughs> no, that, that's not God's yeah. will. Oh, that's so good, Mark. And you know, I, I, I want to mention this before we go any further, because I know there are are women listening right now that are in abusive relationships. Yeah. And especially in light of what I just read from First Peter 3, and this is where things have been abused in connection with real abuse in terms of God's word. But any woman out there who is in an abusive situation, you need to get out yes. yeah, and you need amen. to get out now. There is no justification for a husband to abuse his wife verbally, emotionally, and especially of course, physically too. And so we wanna make it clear that the right thing to do if you're in a, an abusive situation is to get out of it immediately, to get to a place of safety. If you're a believer, notify your pastors and your elders, get them involved, and do not go back into that situation where there is abuse, uh, you know, unless there's true repentance and there's, there's lots of uh, work there that, that's gonna help you through that. That's very important yeah. to emphasize because this is very sensitive for a lot of women. They're hearing us sit here, talk about this, and it's like, you don't understand what my husband mm -hmm. makes me do. Correct. Mark touched on it earlier. We are supposed to rebel against authority whenever we're commanded to do something God forbids or we're forbidden to do something God commands. And so submission doesn't mean you just do whatever. If it violates God's word, if it violates your conscience, then you're not to submit to that. And if you're being abused, you're to get out and to get to a place of safety and to get help. Great word. In fact, our church just excommunicated somebody because of an abusive relationship that the husband, who admitted that what he was doing and the way he was behaving in the midst of the family was wrong. Yeah. He got excommunicated. And that's the most loving thing that a church can do is to excommunicate for the right reasons. Yeah. Scripture yeah. makes it clear. Absolutely. Yeah, let me, let me just add, I've, I've been to a church where a pastor was being abusive in his relationship with his wife. Mm. And let me say that to, to the men, submission and leadership should look like your wife joyfully thriving Amen. and growing more to be like her savior. Mm. You know, if you think of like the image that I get is someone being able to expand their wings and use their spiritual gifts joyfully. That's the kind of leadership you should be having. And I, and I think of, uh, the reason why I asked that question is because I think of one circumstance that I remember hearing in which every disagreement, every tiny little disagreement in the household, the husband go, would go right to submission. Wow. Whether it was like, who needs to do the dishes? Well, submit, you're doing them. Who needs to this, submit this, kids this, submit. Like submit was always the immediate reference. And the problem with that, if you're not, I love the way you, you put it, Mark, is that if we're not listening and it, we're not experiencing the complementarianism in the sense that God is also at work and revealing himself to our wives, 
then we miss the opportunity to understand what God wants to do. I mean, the re, you know, if you think about it like this, like God revealed his plans to Mary before he revealed his plans to Joseph, hmm. right? In other words, God has created your wife in his image, and she has a unique understanding and gifting that she's bringing into the household, and he wants you guys to complement each other in that. Now, there will be times in which your leadership and her submission is important, but many times if things are being done well, it's also a complementing. Yeah. It's a working together to understand God's will for your life in the way to run your home. And if you ignore that, if you go immediately to the submit card whenever your, your feathers are ruffled, then you're ultimately stifling God's word that he's putting in and through her for your home. Wow. Ray, you and Sue have been married now how many years? 104. <laughs> 52 H. Yeah. 1970. And 26th of September. Yeah. And it's just so wonderful to see the love you guys have for each other. I mean, you are around her all the time. You you both work here at the ministry. You're together on the weekends. You you don't, I mean, you guys, you guys are inseparable and there is the functioning of the biblical roles. And what, what do you, what do you attribute that to? We used to be called budgies or parakeets when I worked in the bank with Sue because we sat together like little, <laughs> those little birds sit together. And I used to peck at her lunch and she'd peck at my lunch. You still peck at her lunch. I, I do. I all the time. Nothing has changed. <laughs> well, she's my best friend and I love her and uh, it gives me great joy to just love on her. And I never walk through a door with, without her walking through first. Uh, that's because I'm afraid of burglars. oh boy you're gonna get in trouble when you get home i know um yeah you know i love to see though ray i mean again uh, sue submits to you i love seeing how you lovers christ love the church i mean seriously anytime we're in here brings in a danish yeah uh, i'm gonna get sue some of this (laughs) that's right exactly that's exactly the way you are i love it and i love it You're, you're always thinking about her we take you know when we record multiple podcasts in between. I'm going to go check on Sue. You know, you go and it's such a beautiful example. And and we see harmony. You guys are creating the atmosphere, right? Yeah. That makes it more conducive for each of you to do that. So l- let's unpack this a little more. So Randy Smith says this. He says, the word submit simply means to line up under. It carries the idea of willingly or voluntarily placing oneself under someone else. It relates only to the role not to essence. So that's important to clarify. We're not talking about equality. We're, husband and wife are completely equal. They're both made in the image of God. It's roles. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before. Most people don't have a problem with leadership roles in different areas of life. No one argues that you know no company should have a boss. Everyone should have equal authority. No one, no one complains that a nation should have no government and everyone should, should be equally the president of the nation. We know that would be chaos, mm. you know? But people buck at that when it comes to marriage, and, and it's, it's tragic. Wayne Mack uh, gave some good clarification. He said- He's the creator of mac and cheese. Yeah, <laughs> Wayne Mack. Also a theologian. Yeah. What biblical submission for the wife is not? He says, number one, submission is not merely a concept for women. Number two, submission does not mean that the wife becomes a slave. Number three, submission does not mean that the wife never opens her mouth, never has an opinion, never gives advice. Number four, submission does not mean that the wife becomes a wallflower who folds up and allows her abilities to lie dormant. So good. And number five, submission does not mean that the wife is inferior to the husband. Love it. And Mark, this is important, right? Because sometimes 
you know, people will read the passage in First Peter, and, oh, gentle, quiet spirit. Every woman has to be the same and has to have this like, you know, quiet personality. That's not true. That's not what submission really means. A woman can be who she is. Yeah, she's freed up to be who she is, Amen. right? He who the Son has set free is free indeed. And there, you will never be as free as when you are submitting to the Lord. You submit into your husband, and we submit to one another out of the fear of the Lord. Right. You know, the Greek word hupatasso, I think, is that word submit, and yeah. it is a that continual action happening, that, that word verb. So I am continually submitting to my wife. Mm. I'm continually submitting to the people I love, continually submitting to the government, continually submitting to the Lord. I continually submit to my wife. Absolutely. That's humility. Yeah. yeah. And humility is huge, actually. I was just about to say, one of the things that's most sobering is when Kelly and I are trying to figure something out and we're at a point of disagreement and she will say, okay, I trust your leadership with this, this decision. Do you feel the weight when she says oh, that? Oh man, it's honestly, I will go in prayer and come back and my mind will be changed. Because I will realize I've been arguing from a flesh, I'm not arguing, but I have been advocating from my own flesh right. rather than listening to what God has for us, for example, you know? And right. so, yeah, I mean, it, it it is always a sobering, humbling moment, not a, that's right, I'm in control here. Yeah. It's, it's always something humbling because as soon as she says it to me, I think, and I ought to be submitting to the Lord. And women are so practical. Oh. So they're, so, they're so practical. Yeah. Common sense. I mean, I want to get a camel. <laughs> so she says, no, it's not going to work. So I have to listen to it. Ray she's... always starts big. Hey, see, I want to get an elephant. No. And then it's like, oh, it's a little puppy. That, that's oh, okay. how he got burned. Ray, <laughs> you've, you've often wanted to get a de-skunked skunk. Yeah, I got it. And then got you got a, one. I got one. Yeah, yeah Thanks to one. Ken Ham. I, I, when I look at that skunk, I think of Ken Ham. Yeah. It's just so nice. <laughs> you know, uh, Wayne Mack, he went on to say this. He said, submission means that she sees herself as a part of her husband's team. She is not her husband's opponent fighting at cross purposes or trying to outdo him. She's not merely an individual going her separate way. She is her husband's teammate striving for the same goal. She has ideas, opinions, desires, requests, and insights, and she lovingly makes them known. But she knows that in any good team, someone has to make the final decision and plans. She knows that the team members must support the team leader. His plans and decisions or no progress will be made and confusion and frustration will result. And again, that's what it is. It's a wife recognizing that there is, yeah, there is that team dynamic and she is her husband's best counselor, his best advisor, his, his biggest encourager. And, you know, and there's that, you know, that gentle and quiet spirit is precious in the sight of the Lord and he's made it precious in the sight of husbands. That's why Oscar, you feel that conviction and I do too. And Ray and Mark do when our wives, function in their role. God, I believe, has designed that to, to, to convict us if we're not being tender and loving them as Christ loves his church in that regard. That's good. I, I would also add that leadership looks like not getting what you want, but getting, utilizing the individuals and spiritual gifts around you to their best function. Yeah. I think about it like this, like when you talk about I remember hearing an NBA team being challenged because they were doing really poorly and they were supposed to be this, you know, super team. And they're like, oh, well, do you need to get new pieces? Do you need to get, do you need to change your roster? And they were like, and I remember the leader of that team saying something that was really good. He said, being a good leader is knowing how to get the best out of what you have. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. What I mean by saying that is that you need to lead the home in which God has given you mm. and the spouse and the children in which God has given you. You cannot shape them and lead them into people who they are not 
God is doing a work in them and he has called you to lead in the work that he is doing. It's not the work that you are doing. And to that point, right, we'll hear people say, well, my wife has changed through the years. And the response is, well, she got like that on your watch, right? She (laughs) is a mirrored reflection of you. And if you don't like what you're seeing, it's because you're looking in the mirror. That's good. Yeah. You know, I I want a couple of women to speak to us here (laughs) on this subject. Barbara Hughes said, three of the New Testament passages that call women to submit to their husbands include an important phrase. Ephesians 5.22 says, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Colossians 3.18 similarly reads, wives submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. These parallel phrases serve as reminders to all wives that submission in marriage must be with the same loving wholeheartedness with which we submit to the Lord. When we submit to our spouses, we are once again agreeing with God that his beautiful ordered plan is worth obeying and the mystery worth preserving. By so doing, we once again acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is that, that sense of, hey, this is unto the Lord. And let me tell you, sisters who are listening right now, you will never experience greater freedom than the freedom that comes through functioning according to the way God designed you. And I love it when I see a marriage function according to God's design. When, when a woman is fully embracing who God made her and is not listening to the world that is going to feed her lies. You know, because if, if we're not yielding to God's wisdom through his word, we're going to go according to man's logic and wisdom. And that's always going to be destructive. And something sad about a woman beating a man at arm wrestling. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is funny because I just saw my daughter beat somebody on video, another boy at arm wrestling at winter camp. And the guy felt so defeated. It's, 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 the woman should let the man win. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. Too competitive. Yeah, yeah, my wife never let me win at anything. She's very competitive. <laughs> you know, let me, let me end with, uh, with this quote by Nancy Lee DeMoss. She said, In contrast to the wise woman, the foolish woman is not content to be a keeper at home. She's not satisfied with where God has put her. One of the things the feminist movement has done so successfully is to stir up discontent in women with being homemakers and to convince them that the other pursuits can increase their sense of self-worth. Fueling discontent and pushing women out of their home in search of greater meaning and satisfaction has resulted in off-the-chart stress levels for many women who can no longer survive without pills and therapists. The greatest spiritual, moral, and emotional protection a woman will ever experience is found when she is content to stay within her God-appointed sphere. This does not mean that she never leaves her house, but rather that her heart is rooted in her home and that she puts her family needs above all other interests and pursuits. And this is coming from a from a woman. She's a woman who God is using, right? She has a ministry, she writes books, she but but she understands the priority. And and when we function in that way, God is glorified. And so I, I hope, sisters, those of you that are listening will will recognize the beauty in that. Don't be ashamed. Don't make apologies for what God's word says. Recognize that the world is foolish and we have the truth of God's word. And, and there's so many godly women in, out there, like, like our sister uh, Demos, you know, like my wife, Rachel. Those of you that, that have heard me talk about her here before, you know that she has a, a page for women, uh, both on Facebook and uh, called? Instagram called Joyful Mothers. And she's at about 55,000 followers now. And it's been so encouraging to see uh, how women have been blessed. And she, dis- she displays this, you know, godly submission in a biblical way 
in the way it was meant to be designed. And, and I think she'll encourage you women through her posts uh, when you're struggling and having a tough time with that. So, and easy's uh, accompanying Instagram is jiggly fathers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fathers. Yeah. Well, friends, there you have it. I'm so glad we tackled this. I know that uh, a lot of people shy away from it, but we, we love you, our friends and we want you to be encouraged. So make sure to give us your thoughts on this. Uh, we're bracing ourselves, but podcast at livingwaters.com. Also give us ratings and comments uh, on the platform that you listen to. And don't forget to check out the dog box and uh, reach people with a dog. That'd be fun. Hmm. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast, where we have no idea what we're doing. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.